Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning and welcome. Welcome to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I want to welcome everyone who's listening. And uh, we continue to bring you interesting and I think helpful programs uh, throughout this time. Now, you handle complex divorce litigation, high net worth divorce, and contested custody. Uh, you also deal with people that got a lot of money and business owners and goodwill for athletes and hidden assets and more. So you are the perfect person to talk to us about Kim and Kanye. Talk oh to my us goodness. about what are the issues that might come up <laughs> in that particular trial. Oh, my God. That's a good one. And for yes. those of you who may not know who we're talking about, we're talking about Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, okay? So tell us a little bit about it, please. Yeah, so Ethel, it's it's so great to be back with you again, and, th- and thank you again for having me. So that is the hot topic in, in divorce, in celebrity divorce, for these past two weeks. Kim and Kanye, mm-hmm. they have a net worth, from what I understand, of about $2.1 billion. Like, these are people wow. that... I mean, right, it's, it's this serious money. money. That is serious, serious money. And so mm-hmm. it's, there's so many issues that are that this, this couple is facing. Uh, there's a division of their assets and their various business entities. I, from what I've read, a lot of their businesses are, are maintained separately, but still they, there's marital property as well. They own real estate together. There's a whole lot of issues that they have to deal with regarding the property and assets of a, of, a, of a couple, a power couple like this. And then, of mm-hmm. course, you've got their four children. So you've got custody yeah. issues that they have to deal with, so, which is yeah. always bad. I mean, that's one of the, the saddest parts of my job, Ethel, is having to uh, deal with a divorce where there's young children that are, that are caught in the middle. But, yeah, um, yeah this yeah. has definitely been a hot topic. So now what I've heard, what I've read, is that they did have a prenup. So a prenup. What's a prenup? What? Yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. So let me break that down. So a prenuptial agreement is a contract that parties can enter into in anticipation of marriage that sets forth how your property, assets will be handled, spousal support will be handled, and then any other details in your marriage. The only thing you really can, in most instances, at least in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia you can include our, our custody provisions. So you can't determine mm-hmm. in a prenuptial agreement what's going to happen with the children should there be a divorce. But mostly mm-hmm. everything else is fair game. So a prenuptial agreement, I like to, to look at it as sort of insurance, right? Like we don't buy a house or a car without insurance. Mm-hmm. So why would you enter into one of the largest contracts of your life, which is a marriage, without that type of assurance, which in the form of a prenup. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've worked mm-hmm. for years and have, have put your blood, sweat, and tears into building a business, and then somebody comes along and says, I want half, you're going to have a problem with that, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. the best way to avoid that is by planning in advance through mm-hmm. a prenuptial agreement, in my professional opinion. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. what, you know, that's what a lot of couples do. Now, Kim and Kanye... They were both big brands, right, at the time that they married. I believe they married in 2012. Both of them were already established. 
his net worth was, I believe, a bit more than hers. But nonetheless, they were both already established. So it certainly made sense for them to negotiate a prenuptial agreement before they said, I do. But one of the Mm -hmm. biggest misconceptions, Ethel, is that you have to have a whole lot of money in order to get a prenup. And you don't. I mean, people can include, even if you just have, you know, if you barely have a pot, you know, in a house, you can include that Mm -hmm. in a prenuptial agreement so that you don't end up fighting over that that pot that you have down the road. So, yeah, the biggest misconception is that you have to have Kim and Kanye type money to have a prenup. And it really is also for everyday common people who just want to plan to make sure that what they what matters most to them, which is their money and their children a lot of times, and most of the money we're talking about, that that is protected down the road. I love to tell people to be proactive about protecting mm-hmm. your future. Right, so. right. I I see it sometimes where a lady has a lady or a man owns their house already. I mean, they may still have a mortgage on it, but they bought a house. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of, you know, late 30s, early 40-year-olds who own houses, especially in this area. And they get married and they don't have a prenup. And and it's a it's an issue. They've got retirement money. They've yeah. got savings, you know. And yeah. if it doesn't work out, what's the percentage of divorces now? It's still pretty high, isn't it? Yeah, I think we're still around that 50% rate, although I will say that as a result of the pandemic, the most recent research I've I've read is that there was about a 30% uptick in divorce filing okay. following the, the quarantine and, and during this, this pandemic phase that we've been in. Now, I don't know. Really? All, all, yeah, also wow. the divorce rate overall, but yes. So that's been an issue, too, Ethel, in terms of how the pandemic has impacted marriages over this past year. Yeah, I was going to ask you to talk to us about that. So you're seeing an uptick in divorce. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And it's, it's really unfortunate. But what happened is, so people were going about their lives, right, getting up, going to work, going to happy hour after work, going to the gym, going to brunch, church activities, all of that was just taken away from us overnight, right? And then suddenly we found ourselves locked in a house with someone for months on end that you may not even really have known that well because you were so busy previously doing what you do. And so people were actually forced to deal with a lot of the issues that had been previously swept under the rug in a marriage during that six-month stretch where we really couldn't go outside, you know, couldn't do much at all yeah, um, yeah. In, the, in the area. Yeah. And so some people realized, you know what, like, this is who I married. I don't even like this person. But it was oh, wow. easy to avoid that, con- having to confront those feelings if you're, you are you were so busy running here, running there. But wow, when all that I never stopped, thought of that. Yeah, when all that stopped. Now, now I do think the pandemic, and particularly the quarantine, for marriages that were pretty strong, it was a great opportunity for them to grow together and to get mm-hmm. even closer during that, that period of time. Uh-huh. If your uh-huh. marriage, though, was one where there were already some issues there that you maybe just weren't dealing with, weren't really talking about, but there were some underlying tensions or issues, the pandemic was the straw that broke the camel's back. 
That's wow. what I saw. And, yeah. and so then when courts began to reopen, sort of generally around last summer, the phone was just ringing off the hook. Like, I, I feel like I've never seen anything like it. And I've been doing this a long time now, but as you know. Really? Yeah. Like, I want, yeah, I want out. Um, so it was kind of been sad from that standpoint. But also oh my the mortality of the um, pandemic, the morbidity of the pandemic as well, made a lot of people stop and think about, is this how I want to spend the next five or 10 years? Or is this who I want to spend the next five or 10 years with? And that's what happened. That's what I saw. Wow. That's amazing. I never thought about that, but you're so right. If you turn around and say, oh, my God, who is this I'm living with? And realize that you don't even like that person and you don't have a way of dealing with it. And, yeah, you want out. Plus, you see people dying all around you, and you realize, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was a it was a rude awakening for a lot of people, or or just an awakening for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. When you, you saw what the numbers were like on the news every day, we were bombarded with the number of deaths. We we hit some sad numbers in terms of fatalities, and people just really began to to rethink their lives and and really how short life is. Right. Like, yeah, like that's yeah. what this has really brought to the forefront is that this is a really it's it's a, we got one chance at this thing called like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It made a lot yeah. of people because I've seen you know people come. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen people come to me more with maybe I do need to get my will done. Right. But yep. I can't keep putting it off. You know, I can't keep putting exactly. it off. Wow. Wait. Uh, Michelle, tell me something. Um, uh, how is the 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 having a prenup versus not having a prenup? How does that make a difference in a marriage? And certainly later on, if God forbid, the marriage goes south and you have to have a divorce, what difference does it make having a prenup? What does that What does that do? Michelle? Hello, are you there? Hello? Yeah. Is Michelle there? Yeah, are you there? Yes, I'm here now. I I didn't hear anything, but I hear you now. Oh, okay. That's what happens in between the break. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I, I was asking, what difference does having a prenuptial agreement either having one or not having one, what, does, what difference does that make if, if, if the marriage goes south? What, what happens? Uh, and can it also deal with what happens when somebody dies as well? Uh, what, what difference does it make? Sure. So uh, it makes a world of difference, right? It's, it's the difference between whether you're, you're going to be in a position to proceed more peacefully through your divorce, at least as it relates to property and support issues, or whether you're going to have to expend hours on end, either trying to negotiate a settlement agreement or litigating and and spending not just your time, but an extraordinary amount of money in a lot of cases, trying to resolve the disputes between the parties. And remember, at the time that you're litigating your divorce, you you probably don't have the best of feelings or sentiments toward your spouse. Yeah. So yeah. 
you, you add to that whatever soured the marriage to begin with and the bitterness that usually um, is involved, yeah. and it makes mm-hmm. the process all that much more more challenging at the end when it can be avoided or at least minimized if you do the planning on the front end. And Ethel, at least if you plan in the beginning, that's when you're all in love and you want to be fair to the other side. And so, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a lot more, um, it can be a lot more peaceful if you think about mm-hmm. it and start planning in the beginning. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't want to prenup because that's like you're planning for your marriage to fail. You're planning for divorce. And yeah. I say, no, it, it's actually planning for your marriage to succeed because it gives you a platform for the couple to discuss a lot of issues that may not otherwise have come up during the marriage. So, I mean, before the marriage. So it gives you a chance to talk about the tough financial issues and talk about how you might feel if one party is contributing more financially versus another party and whether you want there to be equal contribution or whether one party wants to do uh, take care of the finances while another party takes care of the household, management, cleaning, cooking, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a chance to have a lot of these tough conversations that you you otherwise may not have before the marriage. Uh, mm-hmm. And when those com- tough conversations come up during the marriage, that's when the tensions begin to rise. But if you've, you've taken the time to plan in advance, then it just helps to, to minimize the possibility for conflict. It doesn't mean there won't be any, but it helps you to at least have an idea and know where your partner's coming from before you see I do. It also gives you an L, right? If you start talking about the issues that can come up in a prenup and the person is saying some crazy things, I mean, it, it may give you pause. It may make you say, well, wait a minute, mm-hmm. is this the right person for me? So either yeah. way, it's really a win-win situation. And Ethel, I've seen too many times couples who spent so much time and money planning for the wedding and yes. not enough time planning yes. for the marriage. Yeah, you know, And we've got to yeah. reverse that. We've got to put more emphasis on planning for the marriage in the hopes of the, of, of re- reversing this storing, you know, these divorce rates and these numbers. That is great. So, so you say that it's really a planning for the marriage, not a planning for divorce. Yes, that's, that's, that's a good the way point. I look at it. Yeah. 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 And you're so right about the money spent on weddings. I am stunned <laughs> at at yes. the amount of money that even when I'm doing trust for people and uh, part of the trust when you have young children. You're planning mm-hmm. if God forbid you're dead and they're not you're not around, and people will just very cavalierly say, "Well, and I want twenty five thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars for the wedding, you know, to give her or usually it's a her, you know. Uh, so yeah. when my child gets married, if I'm not there, then they can spend this amount of money on a wedding, and I'm like, wow, why don't you just give that to them to start? off their marriage, you know, but I don't yeah. say it because it's up to people how they want to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, you I don't hear people say, you know, well, I want to leave X amount of money to help plan, help them facilitate, uh, you know, premarital counseling or marriage counseling. Like no one's leaving money for, <laughs> for their kids to, to do that. And that's really one of the most important parts of the process. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I spent some time in Ghana, and um, 
uh, and went to their their law school for for a couple of months. And one of the oh, things wow. that I noticed was they always insist on prenuptial, not agreements, but counseling, and oh, and specific kinds of counseling. Yeah, like how what happens when one of you gets mad? Do you get do you get quiet? Do you withdraw? Do you yell? Yeah. Do you scream? You know, I mean, and those kind of really day to day things are talked about in their premarital counseling, which is critical. And they also test for sickle cell because it's so mm. common. So they test everybody before they get married to see if the probability is high that they will have a child that will have sickle cell. And if it is, then they talk about what that means in the care of that child mm. because it is a huge responsibility to have sickle cell. It is just huge. It's painful. It's a lot of medical stuff. And I'd never heard of that before. But yes, they do. I thought that was very smart. Very smart. Wow. Well, wow. So the planning for marriage is really the prenuptial is, if you look at it that way, I think you're right. You're absolutely right. So can you give us some examples of having done the planning? What how it has shown up in in later on if there's a divorce is there is there yeah. some examples that you can share with us about that sure so a lot of times a prenuptial agreement helps prevent or at least reduce the pain of financial devastation down the road so the way that i've i've seen it show up is if a if a party ultimately is divorcing they may know in advance exactly how much money they're going to receive pursuant to an alimony award or alimony payment. So the mm. recipient is able to plan because a lot of times there's financial ruin because one party is left high and dry. One party may not have any idea as to what's been going on with the money. They may not even know what are, where mm-hmm. the accounts or how bills are being paid, and they are they are completely clueless. And it's very sad because they may be farther along in life and essentially starting yeah. over with, with nothing. And it's very scary. It's very scary when you're in that position, that vulnerable position. So a prenuptial yeah. agreement can give you also that peace of mind and that assurance to know that when this, as we're winding up this union, that at least for the foreseeable future, for the next however many years or months, whatever it is, you can specify exactly how much you'll be receiving, and that party is able to plan better for it. So that's, that's, that's a good point. That, yeah, it, it's really helpful from that standpoint. Wow. Um, I understand that we have a caller on the line. Good morning. May I help you? Do you have a, a question? Uh, yes, I do. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, my question is, do prenups supersede laws that are already on the book for example, I understand in the district, if you own property and you marry, then your spouse automatically at the year is on the deed. Can you have that written into a prenup that they waive their rights to that? And would that stand up in court? Michelle? Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for that question. Uh, one, I would tell you to look further into the, that law that you that you referenced because that's not necessarily my understanding of the law. But nonetheless, a prenup 
yes, the parties can absolutely agree in a prenuptial agreement in D.C. as to how a house or real estate is disposed of. So if one spouse decides that they want to waive or they're willing to waive their right or interest or or claim to any marital equity in the property, then that can be included in an agreement that is properly prepared and executed um, so long as it stands up in court and is compliant with the the prenuptial statute. But, yeah, that that can be included in a document, which is why it's good to plan. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in general, though, you can write things in, and if people are saying, I give that up, they can't come back later and try to contest that. <laughs> so you raise or an interesting point. Successfully contest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you raise an interesting point, because people challenge prenups all the time. I mean, you probably are aware of that. So there are certain grounds and bases on which people can try to challenge a prenup, and if someone challenges the prenup, that's going to be up to a court of law to decide. I mean, some of the reasons people can argue that they signed a prenuptial agreement under duress, which means that they felt compelled to sign. The the closer in time someone signs a prenup to the actual wedding date, the more susceptible a prenup is likely to be to that type of um, challenge in terms of signing under duress. So in other words, if someone is signing a, a document the morning of a wedding and there's 200 people in the audience waiting for you to walk down the aisle, that's that's a type of duress, you know, one, one okay. could argue. Um, so there are there are some, there, and there's other, there's a few other bases on which you can challenge a prenup. So, you know, I can't speak to whether it would hold up in court, but can you include it? Absolutely. And hopefully if it's, if it's a well-crafted document and you've gotten the proper legal counsel, it will stand up in court. Okay, thank you. That was my question. Thank you, and have a good day. Very great. Very thank good you. question. You yeah, thank you for calling yeah. in. If you have other questions, call in now, 240, I'm sorry, 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. Michelle, why don't you give out your contact information uh, right now, and then we'll continue the conversation, please. How can people get in touch with you, give out your website, and so forth like that, please? Sure, sure. You can find me online at thomaslawdc.com, thomaslawdc.com. You can schedule online if you want to with my office. We practice in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Uh, phone number 202-536-4841. We're also on multiple social media platforms at DC Divorce on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Michelle C. Thomas ESP on Instagram, um, and on Clubhouse at at Michelle C. Thomas, where I give chats and talks about family law. So please, please reach out. I love helping people. You know, however I can. Very good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, tell me a little bit more. Let, before God, the time is going so quickly. Let's go on to co-parenting. What is that? What yeah. What is co-parenting? Yeah, well, what it should be, Ethel, is <laughs> yeah, two, okay. people, two people who are prioritizing the needs of the children over their own personal vendettas and working together to try to make joint decisions and essentially create a, an environment that is, is in the children's best interest. So in a case like Kanye and Kim, 
just to go back to what we were talking about earlier, I, my understanding, they're both seeking joint custody of the kids. Now, there's four minor children. I understand they're living apart, that Kanye is living in Wyoming, and, and Kim is in California. Um, but so they're seeking joint custody. But what does that really mean, right? Joint custody doesn't necessarily mean equal time. So a commitment to co-parenting is when you're working together, together to figure out what kind of time-sharing schedule is best for the children. It's when you're not using the children as pawns just to get back at the other side, which I mm-hmm. strongly <laughs> I have a problem with that when people do that, which it happens commonly. Uh, but you really want to yeah. try to put your yeah that all, your own bitterness. I mean, that sometimes people are so blinded by their own bitterness that they cannot see the impact to the child of denying yeah. them the right to be to be with their father or be with their mother. It, you are really changing the core of who that child is when you operate from a space of of, of vindictiveness and and bitterness. So I, I really encourage strong co-parenting, and there are a lot of resources to help people learn how to co-parent. There are online parenting mm. programs, oh, really? online courses. Yeah, if you just go to, yes, there's online courses that you can take to teach you how to communicate effectively. You cannot co-parent effectively without effective communication. It teaches you mm. how to try to reach joint decisions and what to do if you can't reach joint decisions. So there's a lot of resources mm-hmm. out there, and it's really important. So, like, I that, that you, you try to get on the same page. Like, one of the things I've, from what I've read, I mean, I, I, I do not know Kim or Kanye, okay, but from what I've read, um, one of the, the issues that contributed to the demise of their marriage was their differences in parenting, that they had very different approaches to how the children should be raised. So, for example, um, you may remember that Kanye went on sort of a, a religious and spiritual journey a couple years ago, and then I understand he got stricter in his parenting. Like, he wouldn't let North mm-hmm. wear, make, wear makeup. He uh, oh my. moving yeah, the TVs from the children's rooms because he wanted to control or, you know, make sure that they didn't have access to certain types of programming and that it caused significant strife in their household because Tim, yeah. who has a makeup line called Mrs. West, yeah. is all about, you know, makeup and glam mm-hmm. and all that yeah. stuff. And so That's I okay. understand that those differences began to drive a wedge between them among, I'm sure, you know, other things. But that's why it really is important to get on the same page. And also, if you're doing your premarital planning properly, these are some of the issues that would come up if you do do premarital counseling is, is what are you, what's your belief system? What's your value system? How do you mm-hmm. expect the children to be raised? How strict do you want to be? What kind of discipline or punishment mm-hmm. are appropriate? So those mm-hmm. are the conversations that couples need to start having before they say, I do, so that you don't run into this down the road. Now, you know, sometimes people just grow apart or they just change, and, and you can't help that, of course. Yeah. At least do yeah. what you can to, to try to start, to try to plan and start off on the right foot as early right. as you can in the process. Right. Wow. Wow. It sounds all very complicated, but <laughs> at least when you're working with professionals that do this all the time, I would imagine it. people can kind of guide you through it. Um that yeah. that uh yeah and that and that's what it takes i think that's what it takes is there a particular age range that you recommend having prenuptial agreements uh is it better to do it if you're 
older, younger. I mean, because there are a lot of people of all ages getting married, of course. But I'm beginning to see more people who are in their 60s getting married. And that means that they have stuff. They already got a lot of stuff that they've maybe acquired with another marriage or they have children separately. What what yeah. do you can you speak to that perhaps? Sure. And and that's a that's a concept that we call the gray divorce where parties oh, are getting gray divorce. I've not heard yeah. that. That's new. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's uh-huh. a thing. If you Google it, you'll you'll get articles on the gray divorce where people are getting married in their, you know, retirement or second, third marriages just later in life. And a lot of tension is caused by the adult children, uh, which are the stepchildren of the other parent, uh, yeah. fighting over who gets access to what. And even though by that point you may have acquired a lot of separate property, when you marry, there's a chance or risk that some of the property may get commingled. And so it's it's really advisable, certainly for your for someone in a in the in the gray divorce phase to meet with a lawyer to discuss those prenuptial options to determine whether that's the the right fit. Uh, Michelle, this is our last break of the day. It always goes so quickly. Uh, What in particular, yeah, it it, it just does. What are some special or specific things that you want my listeners to to think about uh, for themselves and for their adult children and adult grandchildren, because, you know, people grow up, they get married, they do well. Uh, and uh, it's always a concern. I think what happens to not just yourself, but your child and your grandchild when they marry somebody that may or may not be appropriate, you know, may or may not. What, what do you say to people when they're considering marriage? I say that you can choose to control your destiny and the destiny of your children in terms of what they're receiving through the proper planning. There is really no reason to um, avoid or the, the topic or the concept because these are issues that are going to arise. These are going to arise on the front end of the marriage or toward the back end. But at some point, you'll be faced with, who gets to receive what or what what do I get to leave to what child or, you know, who should we, which of our adult children should receive this new home that we've brought together as part of the second or or later in life marriage. So why not address the issues in the beginning when you're all both on the same page, you're both in love and you want to do what's right and fair. That's the best time to try to craft an agreement an agreement that can give everyone the peace of mind and security that you need down the road to yeah. know that what you've, you've spent your life you're building, the business and the money, the assets that you've spent your life building and investing in is going to go to the child or you know, to the organization that you wanted to go to. Uh, so being yeah. active, I just say that that really applies. And at a minimum, at least talk to a lawyer about what your options are and whether this is necessary. And that can include both, to your point, Ethel, a, a trust and estate lawyer like yourself mm-hmm. or a family mm-hmm. lawyer, but, but at least have a conversation, gather information, and then make a decision as to whether you want to proceed or not. And people say, oh, well, it means you don't trust me and all that stuff. And it's like, I, I, don't, I don't think that's the case because you have to, having these conversations requires trust. 
because you have to put yeah. your finances on the table, engage in mm-hmm. a lot of instances, financial disclosure, and it's hard to do that with somebody you don't trust. So it actually yeah. sets the foundation for trust. So it's a really important concept. And then in terms of, of co-parenting, for those people who are in that stage, I, I say work on communicating effectively, work on documenting your communications, making sure that, that there's no ambiguity as to what you both have agreed to. Communicate respectfully. Okay, niceties go a long way. Good morning, good afternoon. It goes a long way, just being respectful. Yeah, and keep in mind yeah. that your children are watching you. They're watching. They're watching yeah. how you interact with the other parent. They're learning from you how men or two parents are supposed to interact. Correct. Mm-hmm. So keep mm-hmm. that in the forefront as, as you navigate these issues of, of love, marriage, and divorce. Yeah, yeah. I, I years ago, before women became more active in the workforce, uh, 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 I used to do divorces, and inevitably, it was the woman, especially if she stayed at home, who often became almost a pauper after a divorce, mm-hmm. and and had the responsibility of taking care of the children. And often, because there was no prenup, uh, she was often at the mercy of the husband's finances during the marriage. And then one thing that I noticed was that after the divorce, the husband usually turned around and got married all over again and started a whole other family. And and the, the, the first mother of his children was often left in a much worse off financial position than the second one or you know it it was it was just almost a pattern back in those days do you see much of that now are you is there a difference well, I think that's, yeah that's one of the reasons that that the laws changed at least in this area many years ago to develop this concept of factors like equitable distribution factors where the court ways contributions to the family, to the household, and making these divisions of property. Because years ago, like you mentioned, everything was a, might, may have been in the husband's name. The husband walked away with everything, and that was it. And then the courts, the legislation said, well, wait a minute. We need to figure out a method through which we value the woman's contributions. And I'm using man and woman in a very traditional sense in terms of how things mm-hmm. used to be. Um, and mm-hmm. so now the courts do value whoever's making the contributions to the household or t- caring for the kids so that you can end up with a more equitable division in a lot of circumstances. But it, mm-hmm. it, it has been a problem. Today it's not as much of a problem because we've got a lot of powerful, strong, successful women, and might I point to our vice mm-hmm. president in the way, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the United mm-hmm. States of America. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's not. I don't see as much anymore a, a lopsided, such a lopsided um, position, financial position between parties, or, or disparity between parties. Also, you know, women are getting married later in life, and and they they're after mm-hmm. achieving already. So mm-hmm. it, the prenuptial agreement is really needed for both parties at this point. Women need a prenup sometimes because they're the ones who have yeah. soared in corporate America or in business. So. It works both ways today, for sure. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've seen a lot of young young single women who are getting married. They own their own homes. They're buying their own homes, 
You know, they've mm-hmm. got, they've saved, they've been good savers, and uh, they don't want to lose their stuff either, you know? They don't right. want to lose their stuff if, if the marriage doesn't work out. And, and I have seen people who didn't have prenups, they get a divorce, they put the husband's name on the deed or the wife's name on the deed, the new one, and then they get a divorce and they can't get the name off the deed. I've seen yeah. that happen well, a lot, too. Yeah, and a prenup would avoid that. Is that correct? Or could uh, a prenup would determine what what would happen with that property? That's uh-huh. one of the things that a prenup uh-huh. can do based upon what the parties agree to. But that is one uh-huh. thing: when people get married and then add their spouse's name to the property uh-huh. or the marital home, I mean, one yeah. thing you can do. There's there's also a thing called postnuptial agreements, which parties can sign after they're already married to determine what happens with property. So I, uh-huh. I would suggest that you, you really think about what do you want to see happen with this if you're contemplating adding your spouse's name to a property that you have, particularly a property that you own prior to the marriage, which prior would have otherwise been your separate property. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's very good advice. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. As always, you're always uh-huh. welcome to come back, too. Please give out your contact information one more time. Please. Sure. And thank, thank you for having me. You can, your listeners can find me online at www.thomaslawdc.com, T-H-O-M-A-S-L-A-W.com, thomaslawdc.com, 202-536-4841. You can find me online at DC Divorce on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at Michelle C. Thomas ESQ on Instagram. Um, as well. So feel free to reach out. But thank you so much, Ethel. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, always a pleasure. And keep keep up the good work. Thank you all for thank listening. You. Yes, thank you all for listening. And uh, please tune in next week from 830 to 10. We'll have some more very good information for you. I've got a few other lawyers that I have lined up to come on uh, to talk about everything from litigation in probate cases and uh, so we'll have some more good information for you as always in the weeks to come in the meantime please do stay safe and uh, be careful out there we'll be back next week have a good day